You are now listening to the Fantasy Whisper Podcast with your hosts, Johnny, Game Time Hicks, and Big Travi. Why, hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Whispers Podcast. That's Big Travi. I'm Johnny Hicks, and we're here to give you that fantasy football fix on this wonderful Tuesday night. Travis, are you pumped for this second part of the running back special that we've been going on with our rankings? Yeah, Johnny, this is the real nitty gritty when it comes to fantasy football. The outside the top 10 names, the guys you're really going to have to hit, especially if you're on the back end of that first round, you could be missing out on those top 10. So here's some guys we're going to go over, hopefully help you make decisions between a few of them. Yep. But first, I think we need to do our due diligence and we need to give a huge shout out. As many of you have seen over the last week, we have posted a couple of pictures and I'm about to put it right back up on the screen. We have ourselves our wonderful and beautiful logo, Travis. Yeah, Schumacher. for sure. Our buddy Jason Schumacher was able to give give us that logo. We are super pumped about it, and we just can't thank him enough. And if you guys need any uh, artwork done, graphic artwork done, see our man or ask us, direct message us, and we'll see if we can get you linked up with the guy. He did great work. Yep, it is beautiful. We're so excited. Look for some new swag coming your way from the Fantasy Whispers. All right, Travis, I have a question before we get started with today's show. I heard some really crazy news the other day, and it turned out to be true that IHOP, the International House of Pancakes, is switching their name to now IHOP. Are you... Do you think this is out as outlandish as I do? Yeah, it's kind of odd, right, Johnny? It's like if uh, the New England Patriots changed their name to the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> I just I, I don't understand why they'd go so far out of their realm to name themselves to something they're not known for being good at. I mean, when's the last time you went to IHOP, Johnny, and you're like, man, that burger was great, <laughs> right? Like, I have no recollection of going to IHOP and never get anything but pancakes like it's crazy so we want to welcome all of you who are tuning into our show thank you so much for tuning in and please like and subscribe on our Facebook page if you haven't already go ahead and go over to iTunes Google Play or Stitcher we will have this show up shortly after as well as on YouTube, check us out. If you don't catch the show live, you can always go to YouTube, search the Fantasy Whispers, and you will catch all of our videos as well as our Monday special, Mock Draft Monday. All right, Travis, I, I want to jump in the show real quick, but we got we got someone, Chris Hannon. He wants to know, hey, it's my birthday. Can I get a shout-out? Absolutely, Travis. Or Travis, let's give him a, a Fantasy Whisper shout-out over here. And Whisper. <laughs> happy happy birthday, Chris Hannon. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. News and notes from around the NFL. All right, Travis, like always, we get our news and notes from the Sleeper Bot app. Please check it out on Google Play or on I, on iTunes. I believe it's on iTunes. I don't know. I roll with the Samsung crowd. Anyway, so we have news coming out of Cardinals.com. Darren Urban believes it's hard not to see Sam Bradford as the opening day starter. Travis, are you surprised by this news? Because I'm really not even as a Cardinals fan. I, I just always foresaw Sam Bradford starting off the season. And it's just a matter of health to me. Yeah, Shocked that he's the game one starter? No. Shocked if he's the game 16 starter? Probably. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, just because right. I, the injury history there. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Okay, so according to ESPN's Mike Rodak, Nathan Peterman is a serious contender for the Bills starting quarterback job. I think this is a joke, right? Yeah, the first thing I did was uh, look up plane tickets to Buffalo to see if I could go try out for the <laughs> Buffalo Bills starting quarterback job. I mean, we saw this guy throw four interceptions, I think it was, in, in the first half. 
Oh yeah, it was bad. I had the defense. I had the Chargers defense that that week, so I loved it. But there's uh, just, no way. There's no I way to just year. find all the defenses that play Buffalo this year and stream them because if Peterman's their guy, you could be looking at a lot of trouble. Yep. Um, they lost three offensive linemen. We'll get a little bit into it, but I just think like three offensive linemen down an old running back. I mean, Buffalo's in trouble. All right. Rick Shroud of Tampa Bay Times expects second round running back Ronald Jones to earn 15 and 20 touches per game this season. Is this hype train? Do you tend to believe this? What's your thought process going on right now? I think that Ronald Jones has had the talent. I spoke about him briefly on our rookie running backs episode that we had a few episodes back. I think this is just lines up with where I have him ranked. I think that he is going to be their guy by the end of the year. They ship off Doug Martin. And I think they're ready to run. And he he's a very excellent runner in terms of the zone run scheme, which we know Dirk Cutter loves to run. So I think things are lining up. The stars are aligning there. Obviously, watch that in training camp. You'll see some preseason work. But it looks like things are trying to are starting to line up for Ronald Jones to be that guy. Okay. And then Indy star Stefan Holder writes, Eric Ebron has been among the more impressive Colts during the offseason program. Is this a guy that you're going to watch going into preseason knowing, you know, Andrew Luck is coming back. He tends to target the tight end quite a bit, as well as he has another tight end there. That's kind of right in that number 12 fantasy tight for tight ends. Are you, are you intrigued by this or you're just like, I'm going to stay out of it knowing that he's never really lived up to the hype at all. Yeah. Ebron has a bit of a stone hand problem too, that he's had some drops in the past. So For me, I think it just hurts Jack Doyle's kind of value as a tight end. So I just kind of watch both of them. I like the prospect of pretty much everybody. You know, the stock for everybody in India is going up because of Andrew Luck coming back. So just be interesting to watch to see if there is a split through training camp and into preseason. But, you know, there are plenty of other tight ends I think I could go with than either one of those guys. All right. And then the last bit of news here, according to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, did not look ready to compete with Tyrod Taylor for the Browns starting quarterback job at OTAs and minicamp. Did the Browns make a mistake here in drafting Baker, or is this kind of expected knowing what we know about Baker Mayfield? Maybe a little bit too much high on himself? I honestly think this is good for Baker Mayfield. And if I'm Hugh Jackson, I'm probably trying to run this narrative as long as I can. Baker needs time to develop. There are some parts of his game that needs to be polished. Who better to sit behind than Tyrod Taylor, who's been a consummate pro in this league and has, you know, earned his starting role before and been kind of shunned in different spots. So I think if Tyrod, if he can go under Tyrod's wing a little bit, I think that uh, Baker Mayfield will be set up for success later on. I don't know if this is the year. I do love Baker's talent, um, but I think Tyrod Taylor is going to run away with this starting job this year. I I tend to agree the more that I'm looking at the situation and what all is going around uh, in Cleveland. All right, Travis, let's give the people what they've been waiting for. Let's jump on in to these running back rankings. First up at number 11, Devonta Freeman. Travis, please tell the people why they should be so confident in Devonta Freeman this year. Well, Devonta Freeman has been a case of consistency for the last three years since he burst onto the scene in usurping Tevin Coleman three years ago. So Tevin Coleman was touted to be the guy in Atlanta. In comes Devonta Freeman. And over the last three years, he scored more touchdowns. Uh, he has, I'm sorry, he's tied for the most touchdowns in the last three years with 29, him and Todd Gurley. So even last year, you think about last year, oh, they had this down year in Atlanta. They weren't, they didn't reach the hype that they had for uh, Matt Ryan's MVP year. Well, he still posted pretty good numbers. He was injured for a couple uh, games out of last year, and he still posted numbers of 1,182 yards with eight touchdowns. So that's borderline. He was a borderline RB1 last year. So, and Atlanta actually used their running backs in a way that was good for eighth in fantasy points per rush last year but they were bottom of the league in targets 26th and receptions 27th. So if they can get the backs more worked into the receiving game, I like Freeman to be bounce back and build on those numbers that he was even able to accomplish last year. 
I like Atlanta to be a positive regression candidate. So for me, I like Devontae Freeman. He's one of the more consistent guys you can get, especially in this 11 through 15 range. Johnny, what's your what's your beef with Freeman this year? So I want to let our viewers know that I I don't see any more potential in Devonta Freeman to be a top five fantasy running back for the year. Not because of his age or the fact that he his head coach is Steve Sarkeesian. Well, maybe a little bit, but he has dropped from 65% market share down to 47% market share. And that, that means that the, they're not involving the running backs as much as they did a few years ago when Shanahan was the offensive quarter, uh, offensive coordinator, excuse me, in a full timeshare with Tevin Coleman, and he's only getting a slight 51% of that market share. It does make me concerned. However, receiving 14 carries inside the five yard line, which was tied for third with Melvin Gordon, is very positive as far as when I'm thinking about drafting him, he's a guy that if you go Hopkins or OBJ in the first round and Cooks is off the board, I I am looking to go Devonta Freeman here because I do think he's the safest pick at that point coming off the board. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where his ADP goes from here. If it creeps back in, up in there, I wouldn't be surprised if he creeps up closer to Dalvin Cook and uh, some of these other guys into the top 10, just because based on his consistency since he's been a starter, you know Coleman's there, but you know Freeman hasn't stopped being a great runner. I mean, if you, if you think about his first down success rate, just in last year when they struggled, it was still behind only Alvin Kamara and Todd Gurley on first down. So he's still up there with the best in the league at times. It's just about his usage, and can Sarkeesian get these backs involved in the passing game? Yeah, I, I I think his talent is definitely there. I think he has the ability. It's just the volume. That's my only concern. All right, let's move on to our second running back here. Number 12 overall ranked, Jarrett McKinnon. Travis, I don't think there's anybody in the second round that I'm more intrigued with this year. Not to say that I'm going to draft him in every single league. He just has the most potential to break out and be that major jump into the RB one for me. However, I do have my major concerns. What are your concerns before I get into mine about Jarrett McKinnon? I don't know that I have many concerns based on the fact that Shanahan handpicked Jarek McKinnon and he paid him pretty handsomely. So Shanahan has produced a top 15 run running back for fantasy five of the last six years. And if he's going out there looking at film, and I think I saw a quote the other day where Shanahan says, I got lost in film on Jarek McKinnon. So the guy loves McKinnon, and if he loves McKinnon, I think he's got big plans for him. If you think about Jarek McKinnon, still to this day, his NFL combine in 2014 is some of the best spark scores we've heard or we've seen. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to provide plenty of more opportunities for this offense. If you think about the backfield under Garoppolo last year, they finished 13th in standard scoring for fantasy and 8th in PPR. If you just took the sample size of Jimmy Garoppolo and extrapolated out over the full year, they would have finished 5th in standard and 4th in PBR. So Jimmy Garoppolo adds a lot. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Shanahan together with Jarek McKinnon, a guy that they like, I, it's hard for me to see him not be – worth the value of taking at the top or at the 12th spot. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that the opportunity when given the opportunity, Jarrett McKinnon has produced as a running back. Number one from weeks five to eight last season, he finished as the number three, the number five, the number three, 33, and then the number three in standard scoring you got to like that he didn't extremely bust. You know, he's given you some return, which is very nice. San Francisco targeted their running backs 20 27% of the time last year, which was tied for third in the league. And, and that was with New England and Carolina. Well, both of those running backs that we have in those backfields that are pass catchers are high ranked for us. And you look at Carlos Hyde last year and what he did in the same offense, and he finished as an RB2 or better 69% of the time. So 
the one concern that I do have with Jarrett McKinnon is that he has the 27th most difficult schedule for running backs, according to Pro Football Focus, and the 28th most difficult playoff schedule. I know the playoffs are a long ways away, but you do kind of have to have that in the back of your head. You got to go into every season saying, I'm making the playoffs. Let me look at at least look at this. And then you you add the little bit of injury concern. He's not a big back. So those are my only two concerns when it comes to Jared McKinnon. But he's definitely a guy that I'm very, very intrigued with. And I would love to see what he looks like in this offense. Another guy that I'm not so high on, but <laughs> a little bit intrigued by is our guy, Shady McCoy. And I got something for you, Travis. Well, uh, given the talent around him, he may not be able to stand up. He may be on the ground the entire time. Uh, Tyrod Taylor leaves, which we all know a mobile quarterback is the best friend of a running game. Uh, They also lost three offensive linemen. I mean, you remember, Johnny, this line was really good last year, did some heavy lifting as a run unit. They lost Cordy Glenn. Ricky, Richie Incognito and Eric Wood. So there's a few things that I, I mean, just warning signs. Obviously, these people, the talent around him has left. He's about to turn 30, LaShawn McCoy is. He had a career low yards per carry of 3.94. However, I kind of think his volume's still going to be there. So you can't draft based on injury. You can't just predict injury. We know that. But if you look at his new offensive coordinator, Brian Dabble, He's had three of his last four offenses that he's coordinated finish in the top six in rushing attempts. So they're going to feed him the ball, especially with no quarterback. And if you if you're the offensive coordinator and you make Peter Peterman your quarterback, you're probably going to run as much as you can. I mean, you may run on third down, third down and 10. <laughs> yeah, that's that is a very valid point. Uh, I just think run- that with the lack of his supporting talent, his age, and the fact that defenses can now sell out in efforts to stop the run. Shady's basically gone from a no doubt RB one to an RB two with upside, but also a fair amount of risk. Well, here's what I, when I think of LaShawn McCoy, I think he's a lot like Tom Brady and his position and Larry Fitzgerald as the running back position. And what I mean is he's one of those guys who is each year we're expecting him with age to just all of a sudden drop off. And every year he ceases to amaze us with these over 1000 yard rushing uh, years, which is for fantasy purposes. Great. Who cares if he averages 3.3 yards a carry, if he's getting you over a thousand yards and they're just going to give him the rock 30 times a game. So my question isn't in the volume. He, he hasn't had less than 200 rushing yards since coming to the bills in 2015. And the only reason he only, he didn't have more was because he only played 12 games that season. So he will get the goal line work as we've seen in the past years. However, one uh, tidbit of information that I do want to reveal is that research has proven that when a guy hits that 1800, carry mark his production and output starts to decline at a rapid rate and we started we started to see this LaShawn McCoy entered last season just above that 1800 yard mark and if you yeah. look at the number of carries he had he had 50 more carries 130 less yards and seven less touchdowns now that uh that same study has shown that when you even when you get even further away from that carry total it declines even more rapidly He's definitely someone that you need to have buyers beware all the way around him when drafting. However, if he continues to pull off the unthinkable, he you could have landed yourself, you know, a low end RB one deep and late in the second round. That's not a bad option. But I would advise I would probably look elsewhere other than LaShawn McCoy that this year. I probably won't own him on any of my fantasy teams. Yeah, you talking about some of those analytics. Philly actually traded LaShawn McCoy based on analytics. They predicted that he was going to drop off. His legs would be done at a certain point. He obviously extended that a little bit, but like you said, towards the end of last year, we started to see that. And so I just think that he's on borrowed time right now. Obviously you can't draft that way. So if you do pick him, you can have some solace in the fact that they are going to run the ball in Buffalo. They have no other option. So 
it, it'll be a gift, but it could be, you know, a curse as well. So, all right. So next up we have Christian McCaffrey. He is our 14th ranked uh, running back right now. Currently Travis, when it comes to Christian McCaffrey, he was an RB two or better 50% of the time situations didn't really change in my opinion from last year to this year. Yes. I know you're going to say they, they added a running back and honestly, it doesn't scare me that they, they went out and got CJ Anderson. CJ Anderson to me is just like they had last year and Jonathan Stewart. And we still saw Christian McCaffrey be a really relevant RB two. And on most cases, an RB one, Carolina was tied for the third for third with 27% of their targets going to the running back position with Greg Olson back. I think this actually helps Christian McCaffrey's route running ability, because if you think about it, the tight end usually clears out the center of the field for the running back to kind of dip in behind him. So I actually think getting Greg Olson helps CMC. And I also think that in the red zones, he will have a little bit of a regression. He did have um, five receiving touchdowns with Greg Olson back with DJ Moore there. I do see those going down a little bit. Travis, do you think he's a, a much better PPR play than standard as I have him in my rankings? Yeah, that that's more of my style here is the, the fact that we've got him ranked. You know, I have him ranked as probably the highest complimentary back of all the guys here, but I've got to put guys that can run between the tackles a little bit better and get red zone looks on a consistent basis above him based simply on the fact that he was largely ineffective in the running game. He had a 3.72 yards per carry. He never rushed for only over 66 yards in a game, and he only logged three double digit carry games. So, you know, you could tell me, oh yeah, Jonathan Stewart's gone and CJ Anderson is whatever, but CJ Anderson was still more effective uh, last year than Stewart was, and he's younger than Stewart. So I think that there are going to be carries, you know, that CJ Anderson is going to produce for the running game here. He's a better between the tackle guy. That's not to say I don't love Christian McCaffrey's talent. I mean, he boasted the league lead in running back targets with 116. So he's obviously a guy that can get it done in the passing game. But, you know, give me more of his stock, stock and per PPR leagues. Standard leagues, he's, you know, middle of the pack for me, around 15, 16. But, you know, like you said, getting in PPR leagues and you kind of like him in, inside that top 12 or just about, just right around there. All right, here's the guy up next with our number 15th ranked overall running back. Travis, I am way down on this guy. Please help the fantasy viewers and the fantasy whisper followers have a little bit more faith than I do in Jordan Howard this year as a top 12 running back. Yeah, I didn't really want to like Jordan Howard based solely on the fact that he's a bear and he can't catch. Uh, he, he leads all running backs and drops over the last two years with 14. Tariq Cohen is available there in the passing game. And this new head coach, Matt Nagy, who coached that the chiefs is now comparing Tariq Cohen to Tyreek Hill. Now he runs a shotgun style offense, which actually could benefit Howard here. Howard has averaged 6.49 yards per carry from the shotgun. So that's, those are pretty good numbers. If they continue to run out of the shotgun, I like that there. But the biggest thing for me is Chicago has no legit between the tackles and red zone thumper behind Howard. He should keep his nice volume and touchdown numbers. He's never dipped below 250 carries. He's had uh, 1,100 yards or more in both of his seasons, six touchdowns in 2016 and nine in 2017. So I think you can do a lot worse than Howard's numbers over the last two years with the lack of talent behind him. They got nobody with that early down prowess behind him either. Yeah, see, Jordan Howard, for me, as a guy that I literally, I'm like LeBron James back when he was going back and forth between Cleveland and Miami the first time. I just, one morning I'll wake up and I'll say, no, Jordan Howard's going to be terrible this season. The next day I'll wake up and I'll be like, actually, I, I think he could be kind of a sleeper in that second round. 
And so when I'm looking at his production from last year, he had a 38% bust rate for the season. That's uh, meaning that he was an RB3 or worse and 38%. That was one of the worst in the league. The hype with Tyreek Cohen, I believe, is real. The new coach's playing style would suit more Tyreek Cohen than it would Jordan Howard. However, like you commented before, there's no real monster behind him or in front of him. Uh, Tyreek Cohen is not a guy who you're going to just line up and go, you know, pile drive into a, a big offensive and defensive line colliding. So I do like that aspect. He's going to get all the goal line work. And the Bears do have one of the easiest running back schedules, which is super nice when you're talking about Jordan Howard's, you know, ability to maybe reach his potential his offense this offense should be better with all the weapons that they have added and they should be in the red zone a lot more if you're in a standard league i think he is a solid pick however in a ppr league i would pass on him yeah you may not get a single point per reception out of jordan howard in yeah. the entire year it's it's pretty so I, bad. I don't blame you there i just you know i i just want to reiterate the fact that i think he is good for volume numbers and they should be improved on offense, putting them in the red zone a little bit more. So I think he's still a good bet to get between nine and 12 touchdowns this year. So yeah, like you said, standard, you're probably pretty safe with that pick. All right. Going from a guy who can't really catch the ball to a guy who was touted as a great catcher coming out of college. That is Joe Mixon with the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, Jeremy Hill is now gone. He's in New England. He doesn't have to worry about him anymore. He only has Gio Bernard to really compete with him for touches. Travis, what are you expecting from Joe Mixon this year? Are you seeing the hype train slowly climbing more and more to a place where you don't really want to draft him? Or are you still willing to take that gamble on him right now, knowing that he has the potential to be a workhorse back? Well, what you're seeing a lot in this 11 through 20 range is a lot of guys you're probably going to have to take a chance on. And so for me, if you're going to take a chance on a guy, you mentioned Joe Mixon being a great receiver. He's one of the most talented backs that have come out of college in a long time. I think he fell because of the off the field issues, of course. And last year they had very inconsistent offensive line play. He had some injuries. They had a very tough rushing schedule. So those were the kind of uh, things that led to him only having the 100-yard game last year. He only had 626 yards total, 3.5 yards per carry. But there were some encouraging signs. We talk about his receiving. He caught 30 of 34 targets and averaging 9.6 yards per target. So since he upgrades this offense or this offensive line in the offseason, they draft Ohio State center Billy Price. They traded for one of those Bills linemen we talked about, Cordy Glenn. So similar to Jordan Howard, actually, who has nobody early down or red zone ahead of him, I you know, now that Jeremy Hill's gone, I like Mixon to get that same kind of volume, those same kind of looks in the red zone. Yes, you mentioned Giovanni Bernard, but if Mixon continues to catch at the rate that he did, they may not need Gio very much. And, you know, they've had Cincinnati's had their personnel guys coming out saying that they want Mixon to be their bell cow. That's what they drafted him for. So when they're saying that and the production starts to line up to it, you know, I would just keep an eye on Joe Mixon. I think it's a very cheap backfield to own and you can get it at a, a decent price and then it could return RB1 numbers for you if, if everything breaks right. Here's my concern and Joe Mixon, and that was last year, he only had 16 games of 15 or more carries. And in those 15 games, he really didn't do that much with them. He, there was only two of those games that he was actually fantasy, you know, deemed, hey, that was a good start as far as fantasy goes. His ability to be a breakout guy, I no doubtably, you know, own that. I do will, I, I do acknowledge that. But I do think that people are already paying up to this guy's you know, value as a sleeper. And for me, that that cost is just a little too expensive right now. Cincinnati isn't that good of an offense and they face an average running back schedule. So that the schedule doesn't really concern me. Um, and they're ranked around the same as well for the playoff schedule. So I can't look there when I'm trying to grade him. The one thing I will say that 
does make me a little concerned uh, about the pass catching is that Cincinnati only throws to the running back about 20% of the time. Mixon is only getting 30% of that 20%. So while Geo is getting 60% of that target share, does Mixon intrigue me this year? Yes, but the fact that Geo is there does make me nervous. I do like the comment that you made about the, the price to own this backfield is relatively cheap. So it might not be a bad option that if you're willing to hit your wagon to Joe Mixon, maybe as that RB2, then you definitely, Geo is a guy that maybe you tend to want to reach a round or two because he's currently going in about the 12th round. So I, you know, maybe go in the 11th or 10th in order to, you know, ensure that you have that, that backfield. Yeah, and I think that a lot to have, you know, Geo getting such a high percentage of the of the passing work was due to Mixon being a rookie. We know that Cincinnati has historically not given rookies a lot of work over when when they're first getting their bearings. But if we look at a pro football focus stats of yards per route run, he Joe Mixon finished with 1.83, which was the ninth highest yards per route run in the league. So he's up there with the top of the league as far as receiving skills. I think I like his role to expand this year, and I just I don't see Geo being a big threat to that. I think it'll be more of a change of pace situation, especially now that you know Cincinnati feels comfortable saying that they want Joe Mixon as the bell cow. All right, from a guy that everyone wants to be the bell cow to the guy that nobody wants to be the bell cow, the guy whose jersey is on the wall behind me. Travis, tell the people why Lamar Miller is getting way too much heat and way too much hate for how good he really is. Yeah, he's kind of like that. He's he's not going to wow you, <laughs> but I, he's finished inside the top 17 for the last four years. His catches have never been below 31 under that span, and he's only missed two games. I mean, this guy is the epitome of consistency. I think it's just like, that ugly girl at the dance. Nobody wants to dance with like that's <laughs> Lamar Miller's just getting so much flack. If he really, if you really spent time with her, you'd find out she's pretty awesome. But exactly. for me, Lamar Miller, it can't be understated that Deshaun Watson's health is going to be, you know, he's going to be fully healthy. That's going to be huge for the running game. It should open up a lot of running lanes and not allow for defenses to stack the box against him. Houston had, even with Watson out, Houston had 396 running back carries last year, which was good for seventh. Lamar Miller saw 11 games last year with 14 carries or more. So, yeah, you're, you're probably going to tell me a little bit about Foreman being there, but he had the Achilles injury. And Houston didn't sign a notable running back or draft one. So I don't really know that I believe in any running backs behind him. I think if you are in a jam and you need consistency, there is nothing better than grabbing Lamar Miller here because you know what you're going to get out of the guy. I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, even the comment about the Donta Freeman or Donta Foreman, excuse me, I'm not concerned with that at all. In fact, that's a very difficult surgery to come back from in any sport that's a non-contact sport, let alone one that is as grueling and rigorous as football is. Um, we know what Alfred Blue is. He's not very good. We've seen that tape before. I'm not concerned about Alfred Blue. Worst or best case scenario for Alfred Blue, I think he's just a, a you know a spot to say I got, give Lamar Miller some uh, some breaks. I, are you concerned about something Brett just asked here? Or well, he kind of said it. Watson gonna steal those rushing TDs. Is this does this concern you in drafting Lamar Miller? No, in fact, it makes me more excited that Deshaun Watson is going to be starting because when you look at the games where Deshaun Watson played with Lamar Miller and he was actually better, he had two out of four weeks where he finished as a top running back, and two of those weeks he was a top four running back. So I love the fact that Deshaun Watson is playing. In fact, I think he's even better and should be even higher in our rankings if Deshaun Watson is 100% come week one, which it does tend to lean that way, but I want to make sure through training camp and all that before I update my rankings. When you look at Lamar Miller over the last three years, he's been an RB2 or better 
on a week to week basis, 57% of the time. Talk about consistency and knowing what you're going to get. He had 60% of the market rushing or the rushing market share last season and 52% of the passing target uh, for last season. Sean Watson likes to do a lot of checkdowns. So I consider Lamar Miller a solid RB2 with RB1 upside, low end RB1 upside, as long as Deshaun Watson's in there quarterbacking. I think he's a very solid pick, sometimes falling all the way to the fourth round where you're, he's sometimes your RB3. And I think that's that's fantastic value for a guy that you're you're getting right there. And like you said earlier, too, when you draft him, he's not going to be the guy like no one's going to you're not going to walk away from the draft board and people be like, oh, man, oh, I want I was about to draft like, no, you're, yeah, not, you're, ca- you're, you're causing no jealousy by drafting Lamar Miller. No, which not is, you know, you feel gross doing it. You can't explain why you will get made fun of. People will laugh at you. But at the end of the year, you're going to be with a guy that's probably top 15. And you can't be mad at that. He's probably going to finish right around where he's ranked right now. So I think as far as consistency goes, you could do a lot worse than Lamar Miller. Now, going from somebody that the fantasy community maybe isn't too excited about to a guy that the fantasy community community has just been waiting to be excited about derrick henry is our number 18th consensus running back i mean i just think the way this offseason started we were stoked and then you know they cut to marco murray and then they add Dion lewis and johnny's over here we got audio of johnny right now going I, I do i have the actual audio clip of when i got the news that they signed Dion lewis here it is That was my expression. I was so ready for Derrick Henry to have his breakout season. We were talking before we even were talking about the show and we were talking about just show ideas. And I'm like, dude, the running back position in the, in the first round is going to be super stacked. And I had mentioned Derrick Henry to you and we both kind of was like, oh yeah, this guy's going to be the real deal. I mean, when you look at his body type, he just, he's just like a man beast. Exactly what, like you look at his offensive coach that he just got in Matt LaFleur, who loves to run the ball. He likes to set up the pass game based on that run. He runs a zone scheme, which will fit Derrick Henry perfectly because Derrick Henry is a big guy. Who's fast, who can get out to the edge. And then he uses his really long, super strong arms to freaking shed tackles like you're on Madden and you look at the Rams last season who LaFleur came from, right? The Rams threw to the running back 20% of the time and Tennessee only threw the run to running backs 13% of the time. I look for that to kind of average out between the two. They only had six rushing attempts inside the five yard line. I do expect that to go up with, without Dion Lewis as that guy. I think that Derrick Henry will be that guy And Todd Gurley had 18 of those runs last season. So Derrick Henry is a big risk in that second to early third round, but he's one that could pay handsomely if the gamble does pay off. Yeah, I'm a little lower than you are on Derrick Henry, only by a couple spots. I obviously love his talent as well. Why are you You, not Derrick Henry so much, Travis? It it just has to do with Deion Lewis. I mean, he is the more versatile back if we're lining the two up. Obviously, Henry's the more physical, the bigger, the, the, you know, the one, the back you're salvating about. But Deion Lewis gets the job done. And you, I like that you mentioned zone running scheme. That's actually something that they ran before. And those inside zone schemes that they ran under Malarkey, they should have favored Henry, right? Just like you were saying, except for Tennessee was 23rd in team yards per carry. So not just a Marco that was struggling last year. It was a joint effort. So we'll see what LaFleur will do. You mentioned that he came from the Rams the year before he was with Atlanta under Shanahan. So he knows about how to get these backs involved in the passing game. I will say that if they are committed to getting Henry catching more passes, then yeah, I'm all about it. But Deion Lewis is no slouch in that department. We all know what he was able to do in in New England. All right. So with reference to that, Brett Johnson 
wants to know what will Doom Lewis's impact be? Is he a potential number one running back then to you? Or are you I don't know that I don't know that either of these guys will finish inside as a inside the top twelve, but I kind of like Lewis's value right now based on ADP. I think he's the better value. I think he'll probably have the better shot to return you um inside of where you drafted him from. But um that's just how it works right now. If we get into training camp, we see Henry's ADP slide a little bit. Um, you might have these guys near the same, and then you could kind of just take your pick on which guy you want. For me right now, I still have Henry above Dion Lewis. I think that Henry's talent should win out. Matt LaFleur should have this, this uh, Titans team turned around just like the Rams kind of turned around. And so I'm excited about Henry. I just say temper expectations. I just think one last thing on Derrick Henry. I just think that he, you talk about a slide if he does slide during training camp. I just think the overall potential of Derrick Henry is way greater than Deion Lewis. You're talking about a guy who, if he's the only right. solo back there, right. he has right. the, the potential. Ceiling, the, I think the ceiling is higher, Johnny. Agreed. Agreed. I do. I just think the floor is lower for Henry than it is for Deion Lewis. And Deion Lewis would need to get injured, which I don't think is, you know, outside the realm of possibility. He's spent a lot of the last few years injured. So I think that Lewis could definitely get hurt. My thing is, is that Lewis is going to have. Lewis is going to be able to run between the tackles and catch a lot of balls because that's what they pretty much picked him up for. Henry is not so much the guy that they're going to be throwing a bunch of these screen passes to that you've mentioned, but I, I just, we'll, we'll see how this plays out in training camp and into preseason. I, I do think, agree with you though, that I think Henry's upside is way larger than Lewis's. I mean, if he really gets rolling, I, I mean, just do you right. see though that they're going to start benching Lewis you know, for Henry, I just don't see if both are healthy. I don't see that happening. I just think that Derrick Henry is a beast and he's just going to get going. And like, it's just data has shown that you give him the ball more. He's more effective. I Duh, he needs can't really take that. So, but going on to a guy who we have to move on. So a guy who isn't getting a no, lot of love. Of, I'm not afraid of anything. <laughs> I'm just, we don't need to keep going on about Dion Lewis. Who's not going to be that fantasy relevant. So, Dion, uh, talking about a guy who is going to get a lot of interest this year, we have seen really high upside, but maybe not as much coming into this season as projected. A guy like Kenyon Drake, Travis, is it in God's plan, like Drake says, to have Kenyon Drake be the number one running back in Miami? I think so. If you look at at Kenyon Drake, he took over the starting job in week 13 and he held it for the rest of the year. So if you break down week 13 to th week 17, he was the league leader in rushing yards with 440 yard, 444 yards. And you know about pro football Focus's elusive rating. He was the number one elusive back in that span. So he wasn't just mulling people over. He also had the best yards after contact per attempt in those weeks with 4.1. So he was doing it all. He was making people miss. He was running over them and he was rushing for the most yards. So what does Miami do in the off season? They bring in a couple of ex bears. One is Josh Sitton on the offensive line. They are going to need this because they were dead last in run blocking last year. And so they also brought in the offensive line coach from Chicago, Jeremiah Washburn. He's the new offensive line coach in Miami and last year, he helped the Bears finish as the number seven running run blocking unit in all the NFL. But the Dolphins also added Frank Gore. And so we had a earlier comment from Tommy John Phoenix. Yeah. And I, I want to read this question to you that he had for you, Johnny. I got it right here. How much time is split between Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore in Miami? Frank Gore is Frank Gore and always seems to seems no matter his age still gets the job done. What is our outlook on the Miami Dolphins running back situation? Thank you, Tommy, John, Phoenix, for the question. And I have an answer for you. And for me, when you look at this backfield, right, 
Kenyon Drake was never really given an opportunity until he was forced to be given an opportunity. We saw JGI get traded away. They still didn't give him the massive amount of carries that he should have deserved in my eyes. And then it took another injury to Williams in order to give Kenyon Drake that full workload. And we saw what he could do with it. We saw him return four out of five games where he finished as an RB two or better to close out the season, three of which were top 10 performances. But despite all of that, like you had said, the Dolphins don't seem to want to give Kenyon Drake the, as the workhorse back. They didn't draft him for that. They've never used him in that way. The Dolphins signed Frank Gore and spent a high draft pick on uh, Kalen Balaj out of ASU, which is going to be more of like probably the, the catching back in that offense. I just don't think this offense is going to be good enough, nor do I think they're willing to give Kenyon Drake the number one uh, amount of touches in that offense. I think people are paying for his production at the end of last season, and he will be a bust where he is currently going in drafts, which is in the early fourth round. I will pass on him because I do not see his outcome being of that value returning. All right, talking about... So those weeks from 13 to 17, you're just not buying them? Because, I mean, he was really good. Yeah, he was. I'm not saying he's not a good running back. I think he is an amazing running back. You look at where he came from. He came from Alabama, where, just like we were just talking about above him, Derrick Henry went. He was in that same class. He rushed behind Derrick Henry. They just don't want to give him that workhorse back role and that's what's holding him back. Does he have the talent and the ability to be a running back one if given the volume? Yes, but I just don't project the volume to be there for him in order for me to be confident in picking him as in, in the fourth round. I'd rather go Lamar Miller or I'd rather go, you know, the guy that we're going to talk about next and Alex Collins. I'd rather have him as well. So jumping straight into Alex Collins, Travis, do you like him? Again, this season, kind of a little bit of the same situation as far as he's getting a lot of competition. But unlike uh, Kenyon Drake, Alex Collins really showed us through a much wider range of games that he can actually produce as an RB1. Are you trusting that going into this new season? Or are you thinking they're going to give Kenyon, uh, sorry, Kenneth Dixon a lot more carries? Uh, coming into the year initially, I, I, kind of liked the idea of Kenneth Dixon, but if anybody's earned it, it's Alex Collins. I mean, this guy was a fifth round draft pick. Then he was cut by the Seahawks. Then he was signed to the practice squad. He had to beat out, you know, all these different injuries happened to the Baltimore running back squad. And then Alex Collins got in and I think his first game in or second game in, he was fumbling and Harbaugh was saying, he's got to get that taken care of. You just never knew this was going to happen but he was part of that backfield and they posted the third highest running back carries and yards. So Baltimore is a very, shall we say inexpensive backfield to get a piece of. And I don't see anybody challenging Collins for that early down work. He will need to be more involved in the passing game because he only got 32 targets all of last year. But I just think that people are giving him a bad rap because of his past and what he's had to do to get where he's at. But after the bye last year, he posted really good RB1 numbers to close out the year. And right now he's at an RB2 ADP. So I think that the value's there and the Baltimore backfield is very productive and they they have a lot of volume to be had. Like we said, third highest in running back carries. For me, I agree with you here, Johnny. I think that, you know, Alex Collins is a great value here at the 20 spot. Yeah, and if you're looking at some of his production from last year, he finished four of the last eight games as an RB1, and he didn't have any games worse than an RB3, which is really what you like to see, knowing that he's never you're never going to throw him on, a, on your starting roster, and he's never going to give you nothing. He's going to give you something. I think he's earned the right to be the starter there, and I think the major point here that you touched on before is that, yeah, Kenneth Dixon is there. They did draft him, but you also need to realize that what the offensive coordinator that came into the Ravens, he's the only coach that they decided to retain other than Harbaugh himself 
And so when you're looking at what kind of style he's going to run, he's going to go with the guy that earned his place from last season. And Kenneth Dixon, like you said, is a very cheap option late in draft. So this backfield is super cheap and super affordable to have. If you are worried about Kenneth, this Kenneth Dixon, excuse me. So the risk, the risk assessor, which we will have in our ultimate draft kit, be, be looking out for that actually indicates Alex Collins as a fairly safe pick where he's going currently. He also has the fourth easiest schedule for running backs, which you really like to see. I will be watching very closely with Alex Collins this preseason to see if he's really, truly worth his value going in fantasy football drafts. Yes, sir. All right. That is the end of our show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We want to give you guys a big shout out and much love. If you want to earn a shout out on next week's show, listen up right now. All you got to do, super easy. Just hit the share button on this video. You share this video and we will give you your very own shout out on the very next show. Like always, catch our YouTube special of the Mock Draft Monday. It will be on this next Monday, Monday, the 25th, Travis and I, I think we're going to jump into a little PPR. So look to see how our, our, you know, draft strategies change for that. As always, catch us on iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe on Facebook. Travis, you got any more for the Fantasy Whispers community? Just uh, as we get closer to draft time over the summer, you will notice us putting out more content on the website, www.thefantasywhispers.com. We've got articles. We've got rankings. We've got content. Well, uh, the new feature articles we've got coming out are face-off articles where, you know, if you're like me and Johnny and you're stuck between a couple guys and you're ranking them and you're deciding if you're going to draft these guys, we have articles coming out that will help you on some of those decisions. So if you got suggestion on some of those decisions – let us know who you want us to dissect and dive into, and we'll, we'll get that taken care of. Thank you guys for listening. We love you. That's Travis. I'm Johnny Hicks, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.